All right, welcome in. Cube Show podcast coming to you on Sunday before Memorial Day, a college football podcast focusing on the Southeastern Conference for now. Some folks telling us maybe we need to spread our wings a little bit more. We'll see how that goes down the road. Definitely do a few things before the season begins along those lines. But as you guys know, where our bread is buttered, where this thing started was in the fall, we're going to run through all the SEC games. We're going to break down the film. We're actually going to go watch the coaches copy, and we're going to let you know what we saw. And we're going to let you know what we think about that there. So that's kind of going to be the genesis of what we are and how we operate. But each and every week, I saw some of you, uh, by the way, we, we appreciate everybody who has subscribed to the YouTube, who's gone and liked us uh, and and followed on Instagram, on Twitter. It's at Cube Show, both of those places, at Cube Show 60 one on YouTube. If you're not watching, we appreciate Spotify, Apple Podcasts tuning in that way. Thank you very much. Uh, but I did see some complaints about, oh man, they're talking about these other things before they get into the team preview. Like we're going to label the previews. We're going to finish these out. We've got Ole Miss today. So we're going to preview the Ole Miss Rebels coming up in a couple of minutes. First, we always talk portals, some other news. I got some scheduling news that I want to talk about. A couple portal guys. Then we dive into Ole Miss. We'll finish that out. Mississippi State wraps it all up next week. And then we're going to get into some fun stuff throughout the rest of the offseason before we get to the fall. So uh, a couple quick portal guys before we get to them, let you know that we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, Wickedly Delicious. Go to Wickles.com and you can order some there if they don't have them in your grocery store. If they don't have them in your grocery store, you probably need to stop by the manager's office on the way out and say, hey, get some Wickles in here. Summertime's here. You're going to be cooking out, barbecue, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Neither one bothers me. Throw them on the burgers. Throw them on the side. Uh, I'm up in Decatur, Alabama right now. We come here for every Memorial Day. With By the way, if you hadn't gone to Alabama Jubilee and the Hot Air Balloon Festival, it's really cool. It's one of Alabama's kind of little hidden gems, hidden secrets here that happens every year around Memorial Day. It's a pretty cool event. My kids love it. Uh, my in-laws live up here. And uh, mother-in-law went with some kebabs and burgers last night, and she had the Wickles out on the side, so I felt great about that. Uh, but go check them out today, Wickles. Com. All right, uh, a couple kids out of the portal. Vanderbilt gets uh, Notre Dame linebacker Prince Colley, six foot two eighty, uh, two twenty eight, and. You know, he, he's a guy that I think has some familiarity with the head coach. So going back to the time at Notre Dame, obviously they met one another through recruiting. That's going to be big. And I watching him on film, I pulled a couple of games over the weekend, was watching him. He, he actually looks bigger than he's listed. We don't get that very often these days or any days, really. Um, but he, he looks a little more physical than what I thought he was going to be just based off the measurements. Now, he... I don't, he's not a burner, uh, not going to be extremely fast sideline to sideline, doesn't change direction very well. Uh, but I don't think he's afraid of any physicality and he's, he's versatile. He can do some different things, played on teams. He'll help, he'll help Vanderbilt with that as well. And I think he just gives you some versatility and depth at a position that obviously that team's going to use a lot of on teams and then on defense, playing different styles, different alignments, the way they're going to line up. So it's a good get because this is a former, I believe, one top 150 recruit, four-star kid coming out of high school that now you add to that lineup. So a veteran guy that obviously knows how to handle his business, that's been in and out of the locker room, knows practice schedule, and brings some physicality to that Vanderbilt defense. A good get, I think, for Clark Lee. Um, Auburn goes and gets Shane Hooks, wide receiver from Jackson State. Now, we told you last week that we thought Auburn added the best wide receiver on the on the roster with Jair Shorter out of North Texas. Still believe that. But I think Hooks brings another big physical wide receiver. So now you've got Shorter at about 6'2", 
Hooks going over 6'4", and then you've got Nick Marner out of Cincinnati at 6'6". So now you went from not really having a lot of those 50-50 ball, big catch radius guys that can hurt you down the field, help in the red zone, win one-on-ones when you get them because the way this offense utilizes tempo and spreads the ball out, but yet still is dedicated to the run game. The defense is going to have to play you certain ways, and you're going to get those matchups. So you need guys who can win those 50-50 balls. And I think they got a couple. They got a couple of them now coming in. Super productive, uh, 6'5", 190, 80 for 947, 12 touchdowns in two years at Jackson State. Obviously, a lot of schools on him had committed to Ole Miss, who we're going to discuss here in a moment. And he's going to end up at Auburn under Hugh Freeze. So Peyton Thorne will have another target to be able to get the football to, and that's a massive get because that Auburn receiver room – We've talked about it in multiple episodes that we've had. Offensive line, receiver room had to improve. And I think probably collectively that's where they've done the most work. Now, you you look at a Justin Rogers, obviously. You look at the edge kid that got out of App State. Like They've gotten some other guys that are going to help. Brian Batte out of South Florida will do a lot of different things out of the backfield. But those two positions had to improve, and Hugh Freeze and his staff have gone above and beyond in being able to make that happen. So just a couple of portal kids this week that we're going to talk about, get into, and now we're going to roll into our Ole Miss preview. So it's a team I'm very intrigued with because I think there's a lot of good. I think there's a lot of things that have been added to this team that could make it even better. Pete Golding is a place that I would start with that. Um, I am not a guy that doesn't think Pete Golding knows defense. And the, I, I do radio in Alabama every day in Birmingham on WJOX with Greg McElroy. And we spend a lot of time talking about people who call in, say they hate Pete Golding, got to get him out. He's terrible, can't do his job. Trying to outline the ways that that's kind of not it. I don't know another way to say it. Uh, I think Pete knows defense. I think Pete can coach defense. Uh, I do think Pete's a little too smart for his own good sometimes. Like, I'll sit down with Pete and we'll talk defense. And I mean, all of a sudden he's just going and I'm like, Hey man, I I might not even know exactly where you are right now. Like he's, he's, he's that intelligent when it comes to all aspects of football. Uh, But I think it was also just an amazing get for Lane Kiffin. Now you have two guys that were on Nick Saban's staff. Um, You got a guy that understands that structure of defense, which has been successful at multiple stops in this league. And I just don't ever think that three, three, five thing was really going to work out. I I just don't not with the dedication to the trenches and ability to run the football with teams in this league. It just, it just wasn't going to work. And I understand you can look at it and say certain teams are spreading it out and doing different things, but also look how it's coming full circle. And even the teams that throw the ball a lot, how they're playing 12 and 13 personnel, two and three tight ends, and are still going to be able to play ground and pounce. One of the reasons Alabama is going back to what they're going back to offensively. So I mean, look at, look at Ole Miss, for example. A lot of spread formations, but they'll tell you they got to have tight ends and they got to be able to run the football. And they're still a run first football team, uh, as will Auburn be. And as Tennessee is, I know people don't like to hear that. Don't believe that. But like, go ask Josh Heupel. He'll tell you, no, man, we're a run first football team. It's all going to be dependent on what the defense gives you. So, and I think Pete's a great recruiter as well. Kids love him to death, like love playing for him, love being around him. So there's a lot of ways that that's just a good ad for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. So I think the staff is in great shape. Uh, you bring back Charlie Weiss as the offensive coordinator who's worked with Lane. The system stays very similar. But one thing that I do want to see is 
the creativity last throughout the course of the season. Um, I, so I want to see adjustments and different things being implemented and formations and motions still being altered and changed late in the season. And I'm, I didn't see as much of that last year as I had in other years. I, I don't know how, why, what any issues there were, but that, that was just my opinion, watching it and kind of how it went. I think you'll see a little bit more of that, some dedication to it. Um, all these guys go and self-scout everything that they do in the offseason. I'd be willing to bet that's something they pull from that and then want to try to change it moving forward. Um, and I think one way you'll do that is the backs getting the ball out of the backfield a little bit more because this is a way to get the ball into your playmaker's hands and the best player on your football team's hands, who is Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, I think you'll see this offense utilize him out of the backfield, maybe line him up in the slot, find different ways to utilize the screen game and just continue to try to get him going. Teams are teams are going to have to stack the box. And because I think there's a chance that Ole Miss – Notice I said, I said there's a chance that Ole Miss is a little bit down at receiver. We're going to talk about the receivers, but I'm not banging on the guys. Just saying it doesn't look as good on paper going into this year as it has the last few. But one thing that I love about Lane since he's been there, it's never really been a problem. They've been able to overcome massive departures at wide receiver on an almost annual basis. And there's a couple of guys that I feel pretty good about this fall that we'll get into. But you're going to have to utilize different ways to utilize Judkins because I think teams are going to say, well, we'll at least start out taking chances with some of these wide receivers and tight ends. But we're, we, we can't allow to be down numbers in the box with a running back this good. I think the offensive line's got a chance to be solid as well. I mean, I, I think it's a group that when you look at, they have a chance to be pretty good. I mean, uh, they've got a lot of experience, a lot of guys that have played some good football. But we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's start with quarterback. And a couple episodes ago, you can go back in the podcast or the YouTube, coming off the spring game, we talked about Jackson Dart and how we thought Jackson Dart was going to be the guy. I said that I thought he would end up being the starting quarterback. A lot of people didn't like that. Why would Spencer Sanders come in? He's got all this experience. But for me, Jackson has experience in this system. And based on the information that I have coming out of that facility, Jackson Dart was given a few things that he had to go work on, given a few things that he needed to improve upon. And Jackson Dart did that. Jackson Dart went to his quarterback coach in California, went out on his own, went out with his receivers, went in and watched film, and then put the work in in spring practice where my understanding is he threw one interception the entire spring. Practices, scrimmages, everything. So, I think Jackson Dart also sometimes because he might not be super outspoken or he's, you know, coming over from USC. People have this, I guess, mindset or they've kind of, you know, pictured him as this kid that, you know, not a grinder, not a real hard worker, you know, kind of a pretty boy. But that's not him at all. Jackson Dart is one of the more competitive kids on this football team. Uh, Jackson Dart is a guy that wants to win. He's dedicated. And I think what you'll see is a lot of the dedication to ball and to his craft is really going to pay off this season. Those are a lot of the reasons I have confidence in him. It's not, oh, he made a good throw in the spring game or, oh, he played last year. But I think he has enough mobility. It's not Spencer Sanders' mobility. I get that. It's not. Um, but I think he has enough to break you down and keep you honest. And really, that's all you need when you have a running back as good as Judkins because most times that backside defensive end, those backside linebackers, they're going to be flying down the line of scrimmage trying to make a play because they know that he is the most dangerous threat. Uh, but even in the RPO game, if he can pull it, keep you honest there, or pull one down and run it every now and then, 
that's going to give you some pretty big advantages up front. So I, I just think that with everything that he's done, the desire that he has, the competitor that he is, and the experience in this particular offense, Jackson Dart's going to be the guy for old Mr. Quarterback this year. We mentioned Judkins and handing the football off to him. Like I, I don't know many other ways that I can explain how I feel about this guy. Uh, I can remember texting a couple of guys on staff after the Georgia Tech game last year and just being like, do you guys even have any idea like what you have on your hands? This is unbelievable. And just kind of, you know, I get the LOLs back and yeah, of course we know. And like this dude, just, just wait, you, you're, you're not going to believe what you see from this kid. And I had some really cool conversations with his high school football coach for a couple of games that we did last year. Yeah. And I get a lot of you were pissed off about one that we did late in the year, but you have no idea what you're talking about with the shit that you've been sending me. So I don't care. Um, but he talked about how, you know, they had to go start a football program. And so they took a lot of the middle school kids and they had, they were basically the leaders because they had to play up to start this football program. And that from like seventh grade on, he and his teammates were in a varsity level weight program practice regimen. And so he matured really quickly and he had the understanding of what it was like to take the physical pounding at a young age as a football player. And so he was telling me, he said, when I, when I talked to the coaches over there after the first couple of days of practice or once, you know, fall practice was running down and they're like, man, this kid doesn't slow down. Like the physicality's not hurting him at all. He said, I wasn't surprised in the least. He said, just how he's built. And then mentally and emotionally, he's built that way as well. Very mature kid, what a leader on that football team. And they rode him, uh, um, you know, to a state championship. So he, he has been acting sort of as a, I don't want to say professional, but like a big time college football player since he's a middle schooler, just because that's what they had to do to kind of build that football program up. So he's been used to it and he knows what it's like. And I think they're going to ride him this year. I think you'll see more of him. Uh, he's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be the feature back. He's going to be the feature of the offense, the focal point of the offense. They'll build everything around him. And that's going to open up for some of these other guys that we're going to talk about. And that's going to be exciting for them. So I think when you look around him, first you look behind him. You got Ulysses Bentley, uh, a kid who last year uh, had the broken wrist, dinged up just a little bit, uh, very fast, very shifty. I think he can be a great complement to Quinchon this year. Um, he's, a, you know, he's a little bit more bursty than Quinchon is. But one thing that I've said about Quinchon that I love is like when he puts that foot in the ground and decides to get north and south, he does not hesitate. I mean, it is foot in the ground. Here I come right at you. And then has the ability to shake you as well. Like you can go back on my Twitter feed and there's one video that I clipped of him against A&M and the hole just opens up and he has a full head of steam for about six yards at a linebacker or safety. I can't recall. And just sitting there thinking like, what, how, how would it feel to know that this dude could run your ass over but at the same time, like he gets an open and feels like whoop, and just like, leaves him uh, ankle breaker and then, you know, gets up feel for a big game. And he he's just he's special that way. I think he's the best back returning in college football, uh, the, obviously the best back returning in the SEC. And he should have a legitimate Heisman Trophy campaign based on what he's going to do this year. That, that's how I feel about Quinchon Judkins. But Bentley with. Like we said, getting the ball to the backside of the backfield, you could see him out in the flat, catching some short passes, some quick toss stuff on the perimeter. Like he could maybe with a little extra burst and being a little bit smaller and kind of give you a guy that gives you a little bit more and could be a nice compliment. So uh, the other compliments that are going to be there as well, tight end Michael Trigg. Losing him last year was massive. 
um, super athletic. Um, everything that you've heard us talk about with a couple other kids in this conference, like Mason Taylor at LSU, Ronaldo Fairweather, who's coming into Auburn, like he can be that kind of a guy. Um, Jalen Knox is going from Arkansas to South Carolina. He just can run past you, and he's got that basketball sort of small forward frame where he can go up and attack the football, and he can get it. He's super athletic. He could have a monster season because there's going to be a lot open in the middle of the field with the way that they stretch the outside, and then with the fear of what Quinchon Judkins is going to do out on the perimeter, your safeties are going to have to play down. So it's going to open some things up for a tight end to be able to sneak up the seams and potentially make some big plays. There were some issues with him when he got to Oxford of just maybe not wanting to do everything the right way. Um, you know, wasn't a grinder, didn't love practice, didn't maybe didn't love football the way that he needed to, to be a big time college football player. My understanding is that has really begun to turn coming off of a very good spring, looks healthy, and just somebody who, I mean, you can flex him out, matchup nightmare based on size. He can line up in line next to your tackle. No, he's not going to be a Darnell Washington bowling people off the ball, but he can give you enough to where he's not a liability there. And whether you decide to use your nickel, your outside backer, your safety to cover him, he has matchup favorability against any of those defenders. So, and, and talking to guys that have operated in this offense before, like that's the position that really makes it go uh, because of what they can trap you in defensively when they decide to go tempo and the matchups they know they'll get there and how you have to play it. And then just also too, like we talked about with all the movement, being able to switch places, whether you want to motion him, whether you want to shift around. And then some of the stuff that happens like split zone where you run zone one way and the tight end comes flat the other way, a lot of times blocking, but then that's going to leave him open in the flat a lot of times. There's just so many different ways, including the RPO game in which that tight end is going to be valuable. He's not the only one, though. Cole Priestcorn comes over from Memphis. And I know for a fact Memphis didn't want to lose this kid. I know for a fact Memphis was pissed off that they lost this kid. I'm not saying anything happened that shouldn't have taken place, just that they wanted him in their locker room as a football player. Super physical, not afraid of contact, not to, not afraid to, to mix it up and trade some paint and put his face mask in a guy's chest, but actually runs better than you would think. And not near as athletic as Trigg, but has good hands, very reliable hands. So somewhat of a different style player, but I don't think it's the difference in player. If you go back to Levy's first year when they lost the tight end and that became a problem or last year when they lost Trigg and maybe became a bit of a problem. So now you have a little extra number, but you also have two guys that are a little bit different. I would not be surprised to see more 12, some more two tight end sets. You can widen the surface a little bit. If you want to, you can go heavy on one side. You want to use a nub tight end to one side and go trips the opposite direction. That's going to give you a lot of things in the run game. It's going to give you a lot of things in coverage. See Dan Mullen versus Alabama a couple of years ago. And I actually see some of what Tennessee did last year as well. But there will be ways that they can use those two tight ends to their advantage to be able to not only do some different things to the passing game with them, but actually help Judkins out by forcing defenses to be misaligned by not being able to really understand you know, where the numbers are and where the strength is, different things like that. So the creativity with those two could be great, but that's a really good get out of the portal because let's be real, physicality being added to this team is never going to be a bad thing. I think raising the level of that can always be a positive just based on where it's been at certain points in time the last decade plus. All right, so we've gone through the running back situation, the tight end situation, wide receiver situation. 
I really like this Trey Harris kid that's coming over. And then, as I mentioned before, Lane has had back-to-back-to-back years, it feels like, where massive departures at the receiver position. And you look at it and you say, man, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. I felt pretty good about Mingo doing some things last year, but he was so dinged the year before and had other guys, you just weren't really sure. And he ends up being great for him. I mean, the, hell, the kid was playing you know, some of the positions that we just talked about, those tight ends had to play last year, but he welcomed it because he was such a good teammate. Uh, dude was going to be a steal in the NFL draft, by the way. But I love this Trey Harris kid that they get from La Tech. He is a bigger body. You're talking about 6'2", uh, 205, 208, that has great ability to run past the DB, understands leverage very well. Now, he's not super twitchy, like change of direction twitchy, but catches the ball really well in traffic. There's a game against, I think it was Middle Tennessee, where he goes up and makes a spectacular one-handed grab, kind of in traffic. He works in the middle of the field well. It's a good get. Very, very, very reliable hands. Really good in traffic, being able to go up and attack the football and bring it down. The other part that I like about Trey Harris coming in for Ole Miss is, He's lined up in bunch formations. He's lined up in stack formations. He's worked the middle of the field. He's been the X receiver, like the dude, you know, by himself a couple of times. So he's done, a, he did a lot of different things in that offense. And a lot of the routes that he ran, concepts that they ran, I think are going to be similar to what he's going to do at Ole Miss. So there won't be a gigantic learning curve for him. But what I've seen from him on film, I'm a big fan. I like it a lot. And then, you know, I mean, we know you've got Dayton Wade coming back. Um, you know, who I think can be dynamic. He was impressive last year, former walk-on. He's going to make some plays. Obviously, Jalen Knox coming back. He was a little dinged last year as well. Um, you know, I think he had, he had touchdown in the spring game. We know what he's capable of doing. He's going to be able to help. Larry Simmons is a freshman, had a touchdown in the spring game. I think he's going to be able to help a little bit. Jordan Watkins, a guy that's been around for a while. Um, good route runner, understands concepts, not really a burner, but – all of these guys, even if you even if you looked at this group and said, okay, like who's the true X? Like who's the alpha? Who's the one you design things for? We've seen Lane be great doing that before. If you collectively are okay, similar to what we talked about with Alabama when we previewed them, you don't have to feature a receiver with this group because you have a feature running back. And it's okay not to have a receiver that you're essentially dialing up your offense for, in my opinion, at least. And it's not that Charlie and Lane can't handle that. We know they can, absolutely can handle it. When they're going to be able to do as much off play action and through the RPO game because of the running back situation, you're going to be just fine if you don't have a receiver that you need to dial up 100 targets for. But just watch out for Trey Harris because there's going to be a lot of good that comes through him and the way that they use him, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of variety with it, and I think he can handle it. So, I think the receiver position is okay. I was I was I questioned it some, loved it with Marshall and Harris, and Marshall obviously gone now. But I think Trey Harris makes up a big difference. It makes up a lot. And if Trig is healthy, you know, then you're you have a receiver down, but he can give you all those matchup problems. So. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, the offensive line, you know, you'll get, you'll get Jaden Williams back at tackle and, you know, he's a kid miss spring with a shoulder deal. Um, he had a basketball shoulder deal in high school. So his development was a little bit hampered when he first got there, but this is an, this is an NFL talent at left tackle. And I think if you're looking for some of the good news with that is, you know, didn't come in 100% healthy right away, hit the ground running, being able to go through all the practices, get all the technique and fundamental work. And then now he missed a little bit in spring, which you'd like to see him be able to make that jump. 
But the other side of that is he still has a very high ceiling. He hasn't even approached what he's going to be able to be as a player. So uh, I've obviously watched him. I've studied the tape. I'm a fan of what he can do. Uh, he can be a big, big, big time player. And then you got some other numbers to play with. Like I think Pettis will probably end up over at right tackle. Uh, you know, he's a guy that that obviously has been around, has played a lot. Redshirt freshman last year, made big, big strides. Um, and I think when he first got there, there weren't a lot of people that thought Micah Pettis was going to be an immediate player or maybe even a player at all. But what they found out was he was probably the most competitive individual on that football team and was not going to back down from anything and was going to go out and fight for his job and fight for playing time and ends up getting it. And there's still development left with him. So I think he could be a guy who helps him a lot as well. Jeremy James going to be back. Shoulder surgery also missed spring. Like to see him be a little bit more physical, but has a ton of ability, a lot of ability. So now you see the theme here with this group, high ceiling, a lot of ability. Will it come together? And this is, I mean, I'll be plain and simple. This is not an offensive line that has to be 95 Nebraska. Like they don't have to move people four and five yards back off the football. There's going to be a ton of stretch play. So just understand how to work your double teams, your combos, when to climb, when not to climb, when to hang backside, when to help. Those are the kind of how to how to deal with movement when it happens because you get all these run stunts these days against this offense and how they work it. Are the backers going to try to work underneath you? Are they going to try to play up over the top? What does your angle need to be? Those are the things that will make this group good or great. And I, I don't go into the year saying, oh, this is the best offensive line in the SEC, but it's not going to be a liability. Now, get a new offensive line coach in, so I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. Don't know a ton about him, but we know what this offense looks like, what it's going to be, and the help that they're going to have. You add Quincy McGee out of UAB. Uh, I've, I watched him a lot at UAB because doing radio in Birmingham, I watch UAB's tape every week. I've seen a lot of him. He's quick. He's athletic. He's agile, but he's a little undersized. Um, he doesn't – when you watch him, he doesn't come across as an SEC guard. But I think he's got some flexibility. I think if you're you're looking for a numbers guy, he can be great for you there. I think he can help some with that. Uh, Reese McIntyre, apparently big spring and is really coming on and somebody who I think at one spot somewhere somehow is going to play. Uh, I think he'll be a part of this lineup. I think he'll be a guy who helps him out. Um, and then I think he's going to be somebody who obviously – ends up being in the starting lineup at some point sometime. Eli Ackerback played a lot of football. Um, I think he can be a great swing guy, both guards and center, sort of an extra guy that just kind of helps with everything, does a lot. Uh, you know, he was a freshman all SEC a couple of years ago, but he's kind of not the mf that some of the other guys are, just doesn't have the top-end ability that they're going to have. So therefore, I think, you know, he's a guy that you look at and you say, all right, well, you know, that's, that's going to be a dude that helps us. I think he'll be in there helping you out. And then Caleb Warren will be back at center, like just a veteran. Buckshot is a guy that I know they love. Mentally can handle all of it. Go up there. You just put it on him. He makes the calls. He handles everything else. Leader and just a hard-nosed kid. He's, he's a kid that I like as a former center because I, I wasn't super athletic. Like I didn't go and just, you know, just mow people down. But he understands leverage, angles, hand placement, hat placement. Like those are the things that makes him a good football player, not just overall talent. So, you know, I, I look at this offense and I think it's just going to come down to how much can you limit the mistakes and how big are the mistakes that you make? Because 
I'm, you should be able to run the football. You got a quarterback that should be able to utilize either pulling it down and running it a little bit. He's got multiple options of who to get it to through the air. And I think he's going to have the best running back in college football. So the way defenses are going to have to play this group. And on top of that, like we talked about, the formations you're going to be able to mix in two tight end formations, utilize tempo, be able to go fast. And you've got some depth at quarterback with Spencer Sanders, somebody who has played a ton of football could probably be the starting quarterback at a lot of other SEC schools. And if he ends up starting, then you still have the depth. So, and then Walker Howard obviously is the future, uh, the best deep ball throw that they have, and a kid that's just got loads of talent. But I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on him for this year. So, I, I, it, I look at, and then you, you look at some of the matchups that are going to be involved there with what you're going to have to do to slow them down. Like the, okay, what is Ole Miss not going to be great at offensively? Like they're not going to out Georgia, Georgia. So that's a bad matchup. I think LSU with what they have up front, it's probably not a great matchup. Um, just not one that, that's going to be, that, that, that's going to probably show you a lot of signs of success. The A&M defensive line can be a problem, but I, I wouldn't add that front seven there to that group. So like State's got some physicality, but you know, Ole Miss has shown in, in the past, like if the athleticism can then become a problem for that group. So I, there's not a ton of games that you just look at the defenses they're going to be facing and say, no, don't see it there. Like just not going to happen. Uh, but on that side of the ball for Ole Miss is where I think things have greatly, greatly changed. Um, this is a group that has had some really good defensive line talent at times, but it, it doesn't seem like we've had a lot of guys collectively. Like you get a Kendrick Clancy in there. There's not a lot of other guys. You get a Benito Jones in there, but there's not three or four other guys. You get a Kim Dietschy in there, but it's just, it, it doesn't seem to always like there's ne- there never seems to be three or four. And then there never, there hasn't been very many heavy handed two gapping run stopper defensive tackles that also maybe could penetrate and disrupt like that to me could be the biggest difference in this football team this year. If we're going around position groups in the sec that may end up being the most different than what they were a year ago, we mentioned two earlier in the show, Auburn O-line, Auburn wide receivers, um, you know, Tennessee lost a ton. So nobody really expects their offensive line to be very good again, but you got the kid from Miami, the kid from Texas that have both had a good spring and they were a lot more physical in spring. Maybe that group sort of takes a jump. Um, you know, there, there are some position groups around the league because of the portal that have a chance to make a big, to take a big step. This one is going to, and for a lot of different reasons. And it starts with Joshua Harris, who I absolutely love. And if Pete Golding can get this kid's motor running, that might be the really and truly the gist of this entire defense, specifically the defensive line, though. If the motors are going 20% more than they have, this group's going to be good. Not, not better, not, not a liability. They're going to be good. It's going to be a good defensive line. Uh, I think Joshua Harris can be a game wrecker, but we've only seen him be a game wrecker like one out of five times. So if that ante is is up and that shows up more often, he could be a real problem. Stephon Wynn, IMG Academy, Alabama, Nebraska, Pete knows him well, been around him. 
He is more of that two gapper that I mentioned. He's going to strike, shed, and be able to go make a play. Like the, he, he's not going to make a lot of plays four yards in the backfield. He's going to make a ton of plays at the line of scrimmage because you're not going to move him and he's going to be able to throw you side to side and go flat the other direction and help make a play. He's going to clog up a lot. Like he's just going to cause a lot of problems at the line of scrimmage. And just think about that. Like Ole Miss hasn't had a lot of those dudes. If you see that from two, three, four guys this year, that's going to be very, very different than what we've seen from an Ole Miss defense for a long time. Um, now, J.J. Pegues still has a long way to grow as an actual defensive lineman. Athletically, it's all there. Every bit of He's first-round talent as far as athleticism for a defensive lineman. The hands, the hat placement, the pad level, keeping the shoulder square, if those things continue to come, he has a chance to be a really good SEC defensive lineman. So now you're putting him next to some of these other guys that you just look at and say, wow, okay, all of a sudden, like, we're really different. And then I'll give you the wild card, Xavier Harris. six seven, three hundred and thirty-five pounds. We've seen him a little bit. He's been in there some. Um, pad level's way up. Uh, but he's young and he's a little bit raw. This is just another guy. And here's the good news. You you don't need him for 70 snaps a game. If he can give you 20 snaps a game, but 20 good snaps a game, all of a sudden he's a guy who can really help your defense and give you just a different type of a guy on a regular basis. Then you go out to the edge and Isaac Yukwu, who you've gotten from JMU is an absolute player. I will say you know, he's not the bend and rip super speed rusher that we've seen in a lot of other places a lot of different times. Like he's not that guy, but he's listed, I think it's six, two, six, three. He's his wingspan looks like he's six, six. He understands how to set the edge. He plays the run extremely well. And he's a guy that I think is going to be, well, first off, Pete Golding had to have him. Like he had to have Jack linebackers who can set the edge and be that dude. Um, it's kind of like what Will Anderson has been in the past. You saw there at Alabama, but this guy is that guy, ton of football experience, great technique and fundamentals, a pretty good pass rusher. Some of it is being a pass rusher a little bit late in the game, like just working through blocks. And he's a guy who can help there, um, which I kind of think like when you look at, okay, Jared Ivey's going to be coming back. I think he's a natural pass rusher, like 35 inch arms. He's someone who's going to help you there. You know what you're going to get from him, but he's also back. Then Cedric Johnson, who is kind of that just worker bee, not a natural pass rusher, not elite talent and skill set, but someone who just understands how to leverage, how to maneuver through blocks, and his motor runs so much that you see him making a lot of plays late in plays because he sticks with it and he's not going to quit and he's he's going to continue to attack the pocket. So Johnson, Ivy back on the edge. You add Yuku in on the edge. It's, it's a lot to be excited about. Second level, I think we could say, okay, how's that going to look? Well, this Jeremiah uh, Jean-Baptiste kid who's coming in from UCF, he can run. He's a burner. Um, athletic, not so much the thumper type, but I think another thing watching him on film that he's going to give you that Pete's going to use is he's sort of a natural pass rusher as a blitzer, which is great because at different times you're going to want to utilize that. And he's someone who can get that done. He will be a good get Monty Montgomery from Louisville. Super fast sideline to sideline guy. He can flat run. He's someone who obviously is going to play 
I think he'll be on the first team and someone that is going to be able to get it all across the field, um, which if you're going to play in Pete's defense, you're going to play off the ball. Two things you're probably going to have to do is be able to blitz and you're going to be able to run. I mean, that's just that's that's what it's going to be. They're going to have to diagnose. They're going to need protection. But now you get some of the protection with the guys that we've talked about. And there haven't been a lot of protectors in front of a lot of those linebackers the last couple of years. So this thing all of a sudden all starts to fit together. Ashanti Seastrunk is back. I think he's got experience to be able to help you there as well. And then the secondary, listen, Tennyson's played a ton of ball. Ishim Young's played some ball. I don't think safety will be great. Um, I don't, I just, I, I don't think it'll be a position that we look at and say, wow, those dudes made a bunch of plays or where would they be without those guys? They'll be serviceable. They'll be fine. And then corner, I think is a bit of a wild card. Um, you've got Walton coming in from Georgia Tech. Deshaun Gaddis comes in from North Texas. John Saunders comes in from Miami of Ohio. I think he'll play nickel. You get Jaden Kennedy, super productive out of Tulane, small, started out of nickel, then went to corner, 5'11, 175. You, you hope you got some numbers that you can mix and match with. Move around a little bit. Nickel dime. You got some guys that are going to be able to help you in multiple ways. And that's a plus for Pete Golding in this defense. So, I mean, when we go to the schedule, I, I hear how difficult it is. People talk about it. Yes, at Tulane, I understand it, but they lost a lot. Old Mission win that football game. And if this defense is anywhere close to kind of what we're talking about, what we think, then that game shouldn't be as problematic as some of us think. Georgia Tech, after losing Jeff Sims and a bunch of other dudes, that we, we saw what happened last year. You get them at home. This should be a game that they win. At Alabama, going to be tough. Always is. And I think there have been moments before over there where Lane has sort of outcoached himself a little bit. Uh, this is one that I'll be interested to see because they might have to lean on that defense a little bit more to get a player to to be able to find a way to win it. But I think they can be competitive in it for sure. Um, LSU going to be nasty, but you get it at home. You get Arkansas at home, which athletically, that's where Ole Miss should be able to make their money against Arkansas. At Auburn, it's going to be a very different game now. That series has been kind of weird at different points the last couple of years, but Auburn is kind of a coin flip team. There are a lot of pieces that are a lot better than what they had. How does it come together? I don't know. And you got to go play over there, which is a tough-ass place to play. Vandy, you handle. A&M, we talked about it before. Can you just manage the D-line? If so, all right. Maybe you're off. Georgia, whatever. It doesn't even matter. ULM, handle it. And then at Mississippi State, we know what that game means. So I just think that there are a lot of reasons to be excited about what this team could be. Now, culture, chemistry, those kind of things, leadership, all come into play of just how good can you be? I can't, are you going to look good at times and win seven or eight, kind of like last year? Or are you going to be kind of special? Do you have some alphas on this team? Like a couple of years ago, they want to take it a little bit further. Those are questions we don't really know the answers to just yet. But you have options offensively. You have a takeover guy on offense that any single game, all you got to do is hand it to him 20 times and he can take over the damn game. You got an offensive line that has a ton of ability and a ton of talent that if they come together should be pretty good. Solid group of tight ends. It gives you more options. Are the receivers as top end as before? No, but let's be real. How many of these receivers do we usually see wide open anyway? I mean, a lot of these guys are making a lot of plays by design and that's why they want to go play here. So I feel pretty good about it. I'm excited about it. I do think there'll be some games that they won't be as talented that they can be in. And I think there's some that if they get overly aggressive or do some of the things they've done in the past, they can either coach or play their way out of some of those games. But the potential is real and there for Ole Miss this upcoming season. So I'm excited to see what it's going to look like. Excited for ball. Speaking of Ole Miss, 
somewhere, if you're going to Oxford for a game that you got to check out, it's Blue Delta Jeans. My guy Nick and those guys, they're located right there on the square in Oxford. They're going to custom fit you for denim, the most comfortable jeans you've ever had in your life. You want to go check them out. You want to go see them, bluedeltajeans.com. Order a pair. You will not regret it. If you got ideas, you're thinking my birthday, Father's Day is coming up right around the corner. Christmas, whatever it is, why not order somebody a pair of Blue Delta jeans? Go get fit and see how they fit you because they fit me great. I love them. That's all I wear as far as denim. That's it. All right. That's it for this episode as well. Please subscribe to the YouTube. Appreciate that. Hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Next week, we wrap it up with Mississippi State, and then we're done for our spring previews. We're going to begin to look ahead to fall. We'll be back next Sunday. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.